0: Hello and welcome to Roundtable, number eight of Dualistic Unity. I am not something that experiences change or that change even happens to, but I am change happening in every single moment. So any ideas or concepts that I believe to be the truth of what I am are never the truth.
1: And I am not anti-identity. And I want to say that quickly because it's something that's come up this week, that Because I view identity as never being the truth, I must therefore be identifying as somebody who believes that identity is never the truth, which is kind of impossible. I use identity on a daily basis from moment to moment, all the time in my communication and how I reference my own point of awareness versus the rest of the world. Identity is just part of it. So being anti-identity doesn't make a lot of sense, but you can still recognize that identity is never the truth. You can recognize that it's not the complete picture, and use it as a tool, as it's meant to be. So I just wanted to get that off my chest quickly, because it's come up twice this week. And so I just wanted to mention it to our listener, who may be one of the people who brought it up to me. All that said, roundtable number eight. And I'm really excited about this roundtable, because one of the guests today was actually our first guest on roundtable number one. So it's nice to have you back, Sophie. Sophie and Daisy are the hosts of the Wildflowers podcast. They have been members of the Dualistic Unity community since we started almost. Daisy came a little bit later, but Sophie was one of the first people in our community group Zooms. Um, We've had so so many hours of conversation with Sophie, so we're excited to have her back. But Daisy, we want to get you talking a little bit more this episode as well just because we haven't had as much opportunity to really pick your brain and and get your perspective solely. I do listen to your podcast quite frequently. um, Just so everybody knows, season one is out. I believe there are 11 episodes in total. Season two will be coming out in the near future. So I do encourage you to go and listen to season one. If you haven't yet, get caught up because season two is going to be epic. You can also join them on Discord or Patreon. They have a lot going on. There's a lot in the works in terms of rebranding, releasing new content. The new website is out. I'm very excited about that. You can check it out at livelifeunpotted.com. Um, that's pretty much it for the introduction. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but I will pass it over to Andrew first, and then we'll hear from Daisy and Sophie. It's so nice to have you back. Andrew. Uh, yeah, super,
0: I, won't, I won't be long, but super excited to have you both on here. I know we've we've met in person before, and it's a fucking awesome conversation as always. It's like one of those conversations you don't really want to end. You want to just like keep talking for the whole day. So I'm excited to have you both on here. So without further ado, I'll pass it over to Daisy and Sophie to introduce yourselves a little bit, tell the community about what you guys are up to, and about yourselves.
2: All right. Thanks for the great introduction guys. And I can't believe that I was on the first round table. I was like thinking back to him, like so much has changed in my life since then. I remember joining that. I was like, wow, like a podcast, like this is so cool. But yeah, so I'm Sophie. Daisy's my girlfriend. We have been living in New York City for like seven to five years Four now. Years. We're how long? Four years. Four years. Year yeah but we're kind of in the process right now figuring out like next steps what we want to do with our life we just spent a month in Austin Texas uh traveling definitely on the horizon we have a podcast I've been working on which is going great and just kind of in the era of figuring things out questioning things reprogramming our minds trying to you know reprogram our neural pathways (laughs) if you will to just change our thought patterns and it's been a really fun ride, and I'm really excited to just see what else unfolds because it's so much has already happened
3: yeah i'll I'll add to that I mean, there's a lot that can be introduced there as well, but yeah, I think uh we we both met when we were i was twenty five she was twenty seven so I think those are both kind of pivotal times in your life where you start to as they say, your brain fully develops, so you start to see life a little bit differently and you can pick different paths to go down. And, uh, I think for, for both of us and and for me particularly, it's, it's just like more of a a path of growth. So it's having an open mind and, and changing your neural pathways. That's, that's a big topic we talk about all the time, but, um, yeah. And, and dualistic unity was one of those early things that we started talking about that definitely was, um, a challenging mindset to, to, to pass beliefs. So it's, uh, it's, it's great to be here and, and come full circle of what kind of, I feel like started us both on this journey of questioning things. So excited to, to chat more today about all things questioning.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. I would expect nothing less because if I could sum up your podcast into a theme, I would say that it's very much about sensitivity and growth. You you talk a lot about transitions between one mindset and another mindset, between one identity and another identity, between one job and another job, one location and another location, friendships, communication, just living day to day. And it's all transition. It's all from one space to another, from one state of mind to another. And so you really communicate that in your episodes, that this experience of transition is really the heart and soul of this conversation about personal growth it's getting used to being in transition. When I was uh, taking Kung Fu, when I had first started, we started learning all, all the positions and they're all very rigid. you know, this is one position, this is another position. And then as you start to get used to that, you start to think, okay, well this is the martial art. And then my, my Sifu came up to me and he's like, no, it's the transition from one state to the other that's the martial art. It's being able to go from one state to the other without losing your balance, without necessarily losing your center, without losing your focus. That's the martial art. The the structure is just there to kind of give you something to lean on when you're not sure, right? So I know that when we first started speaking with the two of you, the impression that I got was very much that you were just ripping things apart. You were questioning everything and more or less trying to develop a loose structure just to rely on. And it was In your relationship with each other it was looking to each other for insights looking to each other for a reflection of what it is you were learning that day or at least that's the impression that i got and so i've really enjoyed listening to the podcast and and watching the two of you evolve not just your discussion evolving but also your relationship evolving it's been a pleasure just to watch it in general uh daisy i do have a quick question for you when we first started speaking you were questioning a lot about identity and you were asking a lot about you know what's the purpose of all this? Why would I rip my, my identity apart? And we really started talking about flow state, getting out of your way, not having so many self judgments, Mm -hmm. basically applying a bit more fluidity to your life. Do you think that that insight that you were working on communicating to us at the time has contributed to a lot of your travels recently, and a lot of the changes that you have in mind going forward?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think step one is like getting out of your own way. And I think, once you're able to get out of your own way, you have to continue to learn to continuously get out of your own way. Kind of like what you said, the transition state, like that's that's always going to be there. And I think the more you do it, the more aware you become of not getting in your own way. So that's really the key that I think has helped, helped me a lot personally, is just becoming more aware um and just being aware of the constant change that's always going to be happening and not resisting it. I think that's that's the other thing that really goes hand in hand with that. And yeah, of course, moving around, traveling, that's also going to accelerate your the way you're perceiving everything because you're constantly putting yourself into a new environment, so things feel differently. So that has been a huge uh I would say not crutch, I don't want to call it a crutch, but it's it's been an accelerator I think to having these thoughts and being able to get out of where you've been for so long where you've gone through periods of being stuck i always think i i used to think of like just like moving where you were from was kind of a cop-out but the more that i've i've done like the inner work of understanding patterns i i understand the necessity of being able to to travel around um because that's going to really aid in you know not always being able to be super aware yourself that's going to help you uh you know better yourself and, and set yourself up for success. And I think you can do that with so many different and do that in so many different ways, even if you can't travel around, but ultimately, um, I think it comes back to the awareness and, and the ability to continuously, uh, not get in your own way.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like that awareness combined with the the purposeful discomfort and like seeking that discomfort in different ways is super Beneficial And like, I love the accelerator word. I don't know if that's something you heard or something you just came up with just now, but I really enjoy that because I feel like the three of us, obviously Ray has done a bunch of shit and like traveled all around and, and we're in a bit, a bit of a different age demographic, but the three of us are in a very similar age demographic and, and I'm traveling right now too. And I feel like we're, we're, the three of us are all in a very similar space of just like, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm enjoying it. And I, I'm questioning a lot of things about myself, about reality, about everything. And, and so that's why I think we have such a good time having conversations together. And I've absolutely felt that even I've been in Costa Rica now for this is my what fourth, fourth day, fourth, third full day. And like already I've been in so many more uncomfortable positions that I haven't had to be in since living in New York, because I have a base. I have a big group of friends that I can always rely on someone being out there. And so like an example of something I did yesterday was I went to a couple of bars and just like sat at the bar by myself and like forced myself to not look at my phone as like a cop out or something and just sit. And like, I was definitely uncomfortable. I posted about it in discord this morning, but I was like, there's feelings arising like of discomfort that I hadn't felt in a while because it's, there's all of these deeply rooted sort of thoughts that you don't necessarily have to look at all the time. If you're not purposefully putting yourself in situations that allow you to feel that discomfort, but throughout it, I was able to feel it and then recognize that there was nothing wrong with that feeling. It wasn't even something that I shouldn't be feeling, but at first I didn't want to feel it. But then when I recognized like, what if I did want to feel this? What if I was not necessarily want to feel this, but was completely okay with feeling this? And all of a sudden like the resistance dropped and then i was just like chilling like no differently than i would sit here and watch youtube video on my computer i was just in another environment and without that overlaid perspective and idea of you know what someone else might be thinking about me what i should be doing is this weird that i'm sitting in a bar by myself like all these thoughts were arising for sure i'm not going to deny that that was happening but through that, like by the end of it, you know, I struck up some conversations eventually, but at first I kind of just wanted to sit there in that discomfort and see where it went and see how long I could feel that feeling and not resist it and allow it to pass through me. And I haven't felt like that in, in years. And, and that's like the third experience I've had here that I feel that. So I'm curious, I know both of you are, have been traveling around a lot, like seeing different things, seeing new things. You were abroad in, uh, Middle East for a while. Have you experienced more things like that, kind of getting out of your comfort zone and, and looking for that discomfort? And if so, like what sort of shifts have you seen in other aspects of your life where you come back and it's like, oh, I've I've experienced this discomfort. Like this other thing is, is nothing anymore. And you have this total shift in like how you see everything pretty much.
2: Yeah. So not really on, I don't know about traveling ground, but just on a personal experience, like I had a lot of stuff going on with my parents this year, just about like them not accepting my relationship and them not accepting my, accepting my sexuality. And at first, like it was so incredibly hard. And I was actually thinking about this in my walk home from work today that like, I feel like that needed to happen for me to find my own voice outside of my parents' expectations and outside of what they wanted for me. And the reason I bring this up because that was extremely, extremely discomfortable is one of like the most painful experiences I ever felt in my life. But now that I have that baseline, I think that's kind of like set me up to all these other experiences that I'm now embarking on, like traveling, wanting to leave New York City, realizing that being in such discomfort actually is so extremely beneficial to you. And I think even from like going to Austin for a month, like I was like, "Whoa, like I'm going to I'm going to Texas, like everything going on over there." And going there and realizing like, "Wow, like first of all, Texas is not what I thought." Like all these misconceptions and judgments I've had about it mm-hmm. second there's so many other places to live in this world besides New York City and I've had a very myopic view of that thinking that New York's the only place to live is the best thing in the world I grew up with the family thinking like New York is the best like Frank Sinatra playing all the time like these space and you go out to the world and you realize that like we walk around with all these narratives and thoughts like in this box and there are like bag of like the same ones we have every single day the same the same repeated thought patterns. And then when you leave and step outside your comfort zone. And for me, that started with have, getting a girlfriend. And now that's continuing with traveling. You start to shift these thought patterns. You replace them with new ones. And you'll, you're like, holy shit. Like the world is completely different now. It's, And I, I feel even going to Austin for one month. I feel like I, I just, everything sh- everything has changed for me. Like I just, I'm like, wow. Like I got out of my routine. I got out of this very rigid life. I saw my, I see my life in like I, in a kind of bird's eye view, like looking inwards. And I think it's so important because when you have so much uh, external input and so much noise, you don't really know how you're feeling a lot of time, unless you either do some extreme self reflection in the state you're in, or you leave and you go somewhere where it's completely different. You have different people around you. And for me, traveling, like I think being around different kind of energy, being around different different input, different opinions is allowing me to peel back those layers even more. And I'm just, I'm just like so excited to continue to do that. Cause I see that as pivotal for my growth and also to help around other people around me who I can now bounce that back off to other people to show, Hey, it's possible, you know, to, to leave somewhere that you're from and to go live somewhere else, you know, I, and I think that that's just super important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would agree that it, it really is diving into the discomfort that helps us grow, but, I have a question for you because we've talked about traveling around. We've talked about your own personal development. I know when you first discussed starting a podcast, you were a bit uncertain about doing so. And you were really determined to do it. And that's why one of the reasons I'm so excited to listen to your podcast, because I know how much of a journey went into that. Do you think your own insights in the same way that traveling has been kind of an accelerator for growth, that getting onto the podcast and communicating your thoughts and your insights, sharing yourself with an audience that you cannot see and just pushing through the discomfort of not necessarily knowing what a podcaster does, not necessarily knowing how to grow the audience or or how to produce any of this stuff. Do you find that that has been also an accelerator in how you express yourself day to day or even with each other?
3: Uh, yes, I think there was a a ton of learnings that came from the podcast. We, you're right. We didn't know what to do. We just were like, oh, you know what? Let's start this. We talk a lot. So let's, let's put this on, on a podcast and no other thought went into it other than buying the right equipment and saying, let's do this. So we just started recording. And of course we just started talking about like, what, like, what do we talk about the most? And we quickly realized how difficult it is to talk about. that are difficult to even talk about off the mic on the mic in your own life in your own relationship like we we got into a lot of fights and it it was there was it was very difficult honestly it was really really difficult but without having all of the stressors and the deadlines and the like constant this is our life all of a sudden without having those experiences it wouldn't have gotten us to being so excited about season two and having more of a defined mission, to find a uh, message and conversation that we want to have. I don't think we would have gotten it if we didn't do season one, the way that we did, because I think we knew going into season one, this was the exact conversation that we wanted to have. It was true is with us all along. We just didn't know how to elaborate on it or even communicate it. Um, so we started with what we knew and that absolutely helped us get to where we are. So I don't, I don't, uh, regret staying up till, I don't know how, how you guys do it, but staying up till one o'clock editing a podcast one night to make sure it got out on time. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that away. Uh, and I think in hindsight, this is kind of, you were saying this earlier, it's like you have to feel uncomfortable in, in, in order to move forward with things. And certainly we were feeling uncomfortable all the time when we were figuring out how to do the podcast correctly. Um, and, If I didn't have perspective, I would have been like, this is how it's going to be forever. I don't want to do this because this is making my life miserable. It's taking up all of my life. You know, those momentary thoughts you have that you like to like expand into thinking that this is how the rest of my life's going to be. Um, but all in all, very grateful that we just dove into it the way that we did. I'd recommend anyone to do it because you have to realize what's not working in order to realize what is really, or even just like uncover what is really, really there. So I wouldn't even say it wasn't working, but it just helped us get to where we really wanted to be. So just to start anything that you want to start right away. And it's not going to be perfect. There yeah. can't be any expectations. And just a
2: second <sighs> that like, I think it's so interesting when you're going through something frustrating, like not knowing how to edit, not knowing how to deal with these things or anything in life, You're there's a learning curve. I feel like we so, we naturally view learning to be something bad to be something, Oh, I can't do it right away. Let me quit. Let me give up. And I think our brains are kind of programmed. Like we want, we want immediate gratification. So if I'm editing a podcast and it's not doing anything immediately for me, I'm like, screw this. Like, I don't want to do this. And I think a lot of it has to do with the dopamine levels you're getting when you're doing these low dopamine tasks. And it's just so interesting because I feel like it's these low, it's these like low gratifying things that appeal to be like not satisfying are what are at the crux of your success. And really like being able to start focusing on like wow, like this might feel like it sucks right now, but this is like this is the core of it. And also on that note, also like wanting to have the end product so badly, like we're starting a podcast and I want all these followers. I want all these things. And then I started to really like think about like, okay, let's say we have like a hundred thousand listeners, right? Like nothing's different. Like it's you're you're here. You're like back here and I think that could be so humbling and so grounding to start something because you realize that like there's no goal besides right now. Like this is the goal. Like this is literally the goal. And I keep coming back to that now with like everything of just like it's a constant cycle of catching yourself being like I want to be in the future where I'm on Spotify top or whatever and then I'm like but that's that, that's not, that would just be like, that's gonna be the same thing as this moment. So I think con it's a constant reminder, but I think now that you could, when you have reflection to see that you, you know, you, you go some, well, you like, you, sh- you grow and you like improve like with us with the podcast to reflect back to see like those times that I thought were so awful actually were not. And I think that provides you with some sort of point of reference when you have more, because we will certainly have more awful times and probably fights and things like that. But it sets you up to know that those are actually like, kind of like a beautiful key component of growth.
0: Oh yeah, and and with that, your perspective is always growing and shifting. So those experiences, the frustrating ones, are equally as beneficial as the incredible ones. And getting caught up in the desires for those things, it's like that's all part of. Of the process. And so I think also what you mentioned just about right now being being it, I think just so many people in general get so caught up in in timelines and where they want to be and where they want to get. And I've absolutely seen very clearly that right now, like literally this conversation right now is the peak. This is the beginning and the end of my life right now. And with that recognition, like there's so much more peace and joy that comes with each and every experience, even the ones that get frustrating. And even the ones I know we all have have and, and have had many full-time jobs that are outside of, you know, maybe something that we're super passionate about, but even that teaches us to be able to let go and, and let go of our opinions and judgments about what we're doing. And because that's going to be applicable no matter what we're doing, there's always going to be aspects of even things we love that we don't necessarily love. So it's always a beneficial practice to be able to experience all those things. And, and with that, there's so much growth that comes with it. And it's not even that you have to try to be better. Like I've, I've said this a lot of times about my content, like looking back in the last two years, like I've never actually tried to improve anything about it, but like, it's a lot different than it was two years ago. And so it's funny how just putting yourself out there and sharing your thoughts with reality, like changes you so much more than you expect from so many different avenues. Like you don't know what impact sharing something is going to have the feedback you're going to get from it, the shifts that other people experience and then they share with you and, and you start talking to them about it. And you meet people that have similar viewpoints and you start talking with them and, and, you know, like all of these things, you never really know where it's going to end up. So with that recognition too, it like brings about so much more appreciation for the experience that you are in this moment in every single moment. And so it's not to say that getting caught up in, in the desires, in the goals is ever, ever a bad thing. It's absolutely part of the process that, that we always are, but in letting go of that, there's just so much more freedom. And, but there is always going to be a process to like learning that. And we have to go through all those things to, to experience it for sure. So, Yeah, that's all. I don't really have a question or anything, but (laughs) I'll pass it over to Ray.
1: I definitely have a question for sure. So what's interesting is that it's a difference in mentality, as we're always talking about in terms of it's not what you're doing. It's where it's coming from. And I know for dualistic unity, because what we're always talking about is the recognition that you are whole and complete and enough. That's the message that's coming across, right? We're not trying to grow dualistic unity we're just expressing the conversation that we're having with ourselves. And so the content of dualistic unity is an expression of our own journey or our, our own recognition of unity. So I find the same to be the case with you. Every episode is kind of its own thing. It's its own journey. It's its own point. This is its own conversation. That's it. You're not trying to create an empire, as we've, we've heard from other creators out there. You're just expressing yourself. and what I think is beautiful about that is that that is often what most of us want to hear. We want to hear that. It's okay to express yourself. We get a lot of messages from people saying, I can't believe you guys are talking about this stuff in public. And that's, that's the the message that we get. And they're inspired by just the fact that we are having that conversation in public without any shame, without any self judgment, without any fear that other people are going to perceive us in a certain way. And so I imagine that's exactly the case for you. And I was wondering, over the last six months or so, have you been receiving a lot of messages from your audience? I'm sure you have, but how does it make you feel when they communicate to you that what you're doing while you're not trying to help anybody is actually really quite helpful because of the way they're able to use it in their life? How does that impact you? Have you had that happen? And do you find that it helps motivate you to continue to have this conversation knowing that other people are able to have their own conversation in their own life just because they're inspired by your vulnerability and your authenticity.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember I got a DM like some girl, I don't even know where she was, and she's like, this is when we're talking a lot about like sexuality and stuff. She's like, it's not safe for me to like come to terms with my sexuality right now, but like seeing where you are, like give me like hope to live or something like that. And I was like, whoa, like first of all, like, we live in New York city. We live in a liberal state. We live in America. So obviously, and what we learned while traveling to Israel and to Turkey is that it's just not like that anywhere. I mean, like we got to Turkey on the day that they're burning the pride flag. Like you really see what it's like other places. And I remember when we were traveling abroad, we were just like, wow, like this, this is why we need to do what we're doing. This is why we need to talk about these things. And this is, it's so, it's like, number one, it's humbling, but it also like, it makes me like so emotional. Cause I'm like, this is not about money. Like, this is not about anything. This is about like humankind. This is about giving people the ability to live authentic to themselves, whatever that looks like. And I'm realizing now that's on such a larger scale. Like as I, we both figure out our careers right now or we both figure out where we want to live. Like, this is just about our overall identity and hearing from people that one little thing can like one episode can make someone's life change. I'm like, now that like is a reason to do this.
3: Yeah, I think it's a mix of that. And I think it's a mix of, I mean, whenever you podcast or put a conversation out there, it's because you want to figure out what your voice is or you want to express whatever that voice is. And I think I think for, for us, it's like we just want to create this conversation and it's an extension of us. And I think that that is such a pure intent for a reason to grow. It's not because of, X, Y, and Z profit margins, this or that. And, you know, I know like certain podcasters I listen to, like um, like you guys, like I know you listen to Taylor. Um, we interviewed her, who's part of the, the community. And it's these smaller creators that their content's so relatable. And there are these like really big creators who have really thought-provoking guests and they they get really interesting people, um, really qualified people on, but it's not the same because there's generally a means to an end Even with people who didn't start out that way, sometimes that's what, what happens and it's not relatable. And I think the biggest thing is whenever I'm looking for content, I just want it to be relatable and I think authentic. And I think that's like an overly used term, but I, you know, I think that, um, when you're not trying to be anything, that's really just what that is. And those are the kind of, those are the kind of podcasts you want to, you want to put into your brain. Um, and while it is a huge industry, I don't think there's like. A ton of podcasts that are like that um within all the niches that need to be so i think that it's it's just a conversation that you want to continue that's all and i think that's motivating in itself
0: yeah no absolutely It's it's interesting because i haven't really thought about that as much but i do i can think about a lot of podcasts that i've listened to that as they get bigger they almost Imprison themselves into the idea of what they think it should be. And they create this narrative about what the podcast is. And anytime you hold on to a narrative or an idea of what you think things should be, you're going to cut yourself off from the flow of reality. And that's why I really appreciate your podcast because it really does feel like you're sitting on the couch just having a conversation. Like it's not about this, like ask a question, get to an answer. That's it. Done deal. Like it's super structured. Like we're going to talk about this and then get to this point and make these points and make sure we get this message across. It's really just like very open-ended and like you rarely settle on answers. It's kind of just like sharing your perspective back and forth. And I really appreciate that because I think that's where the authenticity lies. And that allows people to see themselves in the conversation and almost like think about it for themselves as well, as opposed to be like, all right, I'm going to listen to wild wildflowers today and like get some answers. It's like, I'm going to listen to wildflowers today and like allow my own thoughts to open up and maybe see some new perspectives. And because you're embodying a state of freedom as you're expressing those messages, that's what people relate to. Like Ray was saying before, it always comes down to the mentality that you embody in the moment. That's really what people feel. That's why someone can, you know, be saying the same exact type of message and it resonates completely differently with different people because it comes down to the mentality they're experiencing and and their desire for it to be understood. Even like when you let go of that and you're just out there expressing reality as reality, there isn't so much of an end goal and therefore there is no cutoff from the state of reality. So I'm curious going into the podcast, did you guys want to keep that in mind? Is that something that you've struggled with at all? Like I know oftentimes, like we said with larger podcasts, a lot of times they they start going in this narrative direction and they kind of get caught up in it. I know you're you've talked about how you're sort of rebranding for season two. Is that like something you've thought about specifically where, you know, we want some shifts. We want some things to change here because we started to get caught up in like a certain, maybe not like a massive narrative, but like a, a small narrative to a degree. Is that something I'm curious just about like backstory of, of the shift and how your experience has been with that
2: yeah so i think it's really interesting so we started the first season and we had a lot of things going on at that point like we're talking about my parents we're talking about a relationship and then like the season started going we're like what do we talk about like we were kind of losing topics to talk about so we started talking a lot about our relationship and while those things were all true we were just like we feel like in a way now it, it's as if like, there's more things we want to talk about, but we just didn't know how to talk about it. And I think that like, I really enjoyed, not the fact that we like, didn't have any sort of structure, but I think it was getting super personal. Like we were going into our our relationship and we were going into like very like day-to-day things like that me and Desi had a fight the other day. And we realized that like, we can accomplish this goal of being not having like a very structured podcast, like being true to ourselves without talking about very personal things. So I think that's where we kind of realized with season two, we want to interview other people and we want to talk about maybe more like abstract things are more like you know things that we think about that don't have to do with like okay didn't daisy like and I fight the other day because we're not aligned right like i think that it was kind of hard at some point because it started to like like there was one example of like we daisy like we had gotten into a fight that day and the topic was that fight and we were like we like, we recorded it but it just wasn't it wasn't like healthy so in a way i think that we learned, what we learned from season 1 was about how we want to converse without structure and without Structure in the way of like kind of a means to end, but also realizing that we want the conversation to be. Lar- I don't know, like these. I don't know if I'm explaining this right.
3: Yeah, I think I think when everyone asks, when anyone asks me, like, oh, like what's the new season about? It's like even though we we know what direction we want to go in, it's like how do you really answer that when it is ever evolving and ever changing? Like it's not just like we're talking about trivia, you know. I think sometimes people think that's like what the answer is for a podcast, so like or like, like are true crime. <laughs> yeah, true crime, like that's a really big niche for podcasts, which. I don't know. I think the genre is always going to be like self-growth questioning and, you know, living, living true to who you are. And I think that's really the journey that we're on. And we're looking ways to demonstrate that for other people, whether it's interviewing people who are living that way or us reading literature about people who are reading that way, living that way, or just talking about our experience on that journey of, of, of heading that way. And, you know, the, the difficulties that might come with that. So you know, I think that and kind of encompasses it. Like, would you agree? Yeah. And I also
2: just want to say, I think what we're realizing is that like, the reason why we can't tell you what season two is really about is because we are learning as we go. And the beautiful thing, like we interviewed Taylor um, and, I was like, so she was telling us she's traveling to India and like, she's going, um, I forgot where else she was, but I left that episode. Like, wow. Like I just learned more about myself. So recording these podcast episodes are allowing me to learn about myself. And in this place we're in, where we want to, you know, leave our jobs. We want to transition. We want to maybe live somewhere else. Hearing from people where they're at now and ending the episode with like, we interviewed Michael, who is in his sixties, grew up in, Louisiana as a gay man. And we interviewed Taylor who grew up in LA and the episode somehow on the same note. And we're like, Whoa, this is, that's the goal, right? Like, it's like, we can talk to so many different people, but somehow we come to the same kind of conclusion, which is live authentically, live true to yourself, take a risk. And I think if there's any sort of overlap in what we're trying to do, it's that, but yeah, like, like you guys are saying, it's just, it's just an exp- extension of ourselves as we figure out what we're doing. So that's what makes it so amazing. Cause we're learning as we go.
1: Yeah, I I would say that if I was going to give season two for you a theme, it's kind of along the same lines as what we did in going to season two, where season one was very much a conversation between Andrew and myself. And we got into the nitty gritty of what we could learn from our own lives. But then going into season two, we wanted to expand it to include other people's lives. We wanted to expand it to include other people's experiences because the audience has already gotten to know us. So they may as well start to see how this conversation applies to everyone. So I would say that the theme of season two seems to be expansion and connection. So I'm very excited about season two because it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to, and I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how you do in interviews. Because I know the last episode of season one was really well done as well. Um, one thing I wanted to mention quickly: we were talking a little bit about how a lot of podcasts they're done just for the money or, or for the fame or. For the sake that you can work at home, they have an ulterior motive outside of the conversation in itself. And I think that authenticity as as a form of podcasting or, or media creation is kind of the next evolution of our collective Uh, expression in the same way that web 2.0 is becoming web 3.0 in terms of decentralization. I think that authenticity is what's coming to the forefront now that people are starting to detect when it's just a sales pitch or they're starting to detect when it's just clickbait as it were. And they want to live more authentically themselves. And so they're starting to tune in to people who sound authentic, not act authentic, but actually resonate as authentic, that actually stumble over their words from time to time or admit that they don't know what they're doing. So I, I'm very excited to see that you are likewise experiencing that wave with us because it's, it's going to change everything.
2: Yeah. I also just want to say, so on that note, I remember with the TikToks I was making, I was posting a lot about my parents and I got to a point where I was like, am I leveraging this? Like I was like, it was almost like a like subconscious thing where I'm like, am I like talking about my dad not talking to me because it's going to get me views and I think honestly, it was getting to that point where that's all I knew. Like I started making TikTok, I started talking about my parents, I started talking about like all these things that's happening and then that did well. So like, oh great, let me just, that's, this is the the niche I'm in, this is what I'm doing. And then it came to a point where I was like, wow, like, no, that's not, that's not what I want to do. Yes, everything I was talking about was valid. Yes, there were real emotions, but I think I was subconsciously like, getting linked to the views that I was getting with this certain story and this narrative and I think I was kind of starting to like leverage it and I was like this isn't this is not feel right and I think Daisy kind of helped me realize it's like yeah
3: because well it was to a point where she was like leveraging our relationship too yeah I didn't realize it and I'm like why are you making this kind of content like it you don't enjoy it like you do it because you want a means to an end and like it's it's not enjoyable like
2: yeah you didn't even like I don't even that. post this kissing <laughs>
3: point, create things and now it's like now that we've you've realized that, and
2: like he's like, thank God, like I couldn't stand it.
3: Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> she actually. Hated um, it. but now like you, you're like, oh, I just like really enjoy to create things. So it's it's now it's like you just create really interesting collages of videos and stuff, which is just it fits you better. But I will
2: say, <laughs> I ha- that's what I started with. So that again, it's something that you, in hindsight, didn't really want to do, is what got you to where you want to be. So I mean, it always kind of comes back to. time.
1: Absolutely. And I, I just like to say quickly, because again, Sophie, I, I watched your TikToks that I did see a transition. There was very much, you know, this is what the content's about. So I'm going to make our content about that. And now, as Daisy was saying, the collages that you make, the, the clips that you're making about your travels, about your thoughts, about the, when you do your voiceovers, things like that, I feel like it comes back to you more than anything else, not you as a member of us just you your perspectives how you see things the things that are important to you so i've been really enjoying them i just wanted to say that quickly i'll pass it back to andrew yeah
0: likewise no and that and that's the beauty too of being free is you can shift and i've had a very similar i feel like we're on a on a similar sort of uh shift in in perspective and content and everything because i've very much had uh not like an abrupt shift but definitely a shift in i was feeling sort of trapped into the types of videos i was making i got i found some stuff that worked really well like i was able to kind of go i was able to manipulate a message in a way that i kind of knew it was going to go viral because of what i was sharing the way i was sharing it but i got caught up and i know sophie you and me were talking about this on our last walk in new york like a month or two ago about the difference between a creator who's sharing their lives and and their thoughts and everything versus one that's just sharing a message or like advice type stuff. And there's n- not anything wrong with one or the other. It's not anything better or worse than one or the other, but I think there can always be a balance and and like with everything in life, like the pendulum swings. And it's funny because when I started creating content, the first video I ever made was a YouTube video. It's about 30 minutes long. It's super, it's a morning routine, like day in the life vlog where, like I'm way more rigid. My voice is super like just monotone and there's no very different energy to it. But you know, I, I went through, I've gone through so many different paths and I think the beauty of, of recognizing that you don't have to hold on to anything is you can, you can switch like that. You can switch in a single day, a single moment. You can just be like, that's not serving me anymore. And I'm going to try this because this is what I want to do. And yeah, sure. Maybe it doesn't get as many views, but if you're free and and you are feeling it, like that's all it ever comes down to. Like you're responsible for your reality, how someone it impacts someone else, like doesn't matter, but you also don't know how it's going to impact that. And so I don't know in my current state, like right now, I'm really enjoying doing the vlogs, doing the, the shorter clips, doing a voiceover on top of it, like sharing. And I've kind of been able to combine like the message with the showing of my life more and like having different types of things. And it's funny too, because since I sort of made that shift, like all of a sudden there's so many different ideas that come to me. Like there's so much more creativity that arises from just like, aligning with that thing that I was sort of suppressing for a little, cause I was like, I don't know how it's going to do. I don't know. Is anyone going to want to watch a vlog for me? Like everyone comes for me to, for advice and stuff. And it's like, this is so different. Like just sharing a, a travel vlog. like what's that going to do? And it wasn't that I got so caught up in that, but there was definitely like some subconscious thoughts about it. And since letting go of that, it's like, it's come full circle to recognizing like I can kind of mold both. And like, I don't know, what me learning how to clip up vlogs and do transitions and all that is going to lead to down the road. Like I'm definitely going to do some vlogs at the dualist Unity retreat. Like that could help dualist unity a lot. It's not for the intention of doing so, but it's like just this thing that I'm learning now. And I know Ray's recognized that a lot with, with dualist unity. So many things from his past that he was like, just random stuff that he never thought he'd ever use again. All of a sudden he's like, Oh fuck, I don't know how to do this. Like all right, dope. Cause I have no fucking idea. And that's cool that you've done it before because it would take me probably weeks to figure that out. So it's cool. And it, it really just comes down to listening to yourself and letting go of your idea, more so letting go. Even, even the idea of like listening to yourself, I'm not necessarily crazy about it. It's more so, I think, just a letting go of what you think you should be doing or the way you think you should be doing something or the way you think you should be saying something or expressing something. It's just a let, constant letting go of everything you think you should be doing. And all of a sudden there's like another layer that's, that's peeled back. And there's a whole new plethora of things that you didn't even know were there that you couldn't even see before that are all of a sudden available. So I guess passing it back to you guys like have you have you seen that more in letting go in letting go of what you think you should be posting or holding on to things that you think are working to do something that you feel more aligned with in the moment?
3: I think this is like a widely applicable question to like just a general view on life. I think like when I graduated college and moved to New York, I was like, okay, this is what I graduated in. This was my major. This is a job I have to have. If anything goes wrong with this job, like my life is over. It was like, it's like that mindset of like you are one thing for this entire life. And you're always, it's like you get on that course and then you just coast for the rest of your life. I feel like when you're a kid, you kind of just think like, oh, I'll just figure it out. And then like that's that's it. No, no more difficulties. Like that's just the one thing. And I think like you can suffer in that period of time of like where you think that is your one thing, and then you at least in my experience, I started to realize like life is ever changing every day. And I think that kind of does relate back to being here in the moment versus worrying about where am I going to go in the future? Like whether it's career, relationship, whatever it is, I think it's easy to, to be or be fearful of where it's not, not going to go where you want it to go. And I think kind of that is I, the irony, like that's what takes away your happiness in the moment. So I think being able to realize that you're more than just one thing at all times and i feel like this is the only thing we've been talking about this episode but i think that is just how this how this goes where i think as soon as you let go of needing to be that one thing that's when you really start to allow yourself to just go and you learn so many things about yourself because again you get out of your own way and you're able to actually enjoy those things and i think you probably have said your two cents i i do yeah okay <laughs> cool. um Well,
2: I think a large, such a large part of that in order to do that is let go the uh, fear of self-judgment, right? Like it's like, oh, I'm going to switch up my content and like everyone's going to follow Andrew because he's no longer walking in New York City and like talking to the phone on his walks in the morning. But it's just like, no, because then you're living again based on what someone else wants for you. And I think in order to really be free, you have to realize that like you whose voice are whose voice is it that you're listening to? Yours or your coworkers or your boss or your mom or your grandma or the random person you see in the street who you don't even know, but you feel like they're looking at you because they look like you and you just feel like they're judging you. And I just think that like when it that's why it's so important, I think, to surround yourself with people who are gonna either if you're surrounding yourself if you're trying to change your perspective and you're surrounding yourself around people who are just like that perspective you're going to probably still be that perspective unless you do a lot of self-reflection or if you like switch right like that's why like I feel like I've switched a lot of friends over the past few years and I've been really scared of doing so but it's less of that input and more of different input now to get me to a place I need to be and I think like on such a larger scale when you fully realize like everything is made up. Like the to the extent like Andrew just made that video, like of like October is made up, Saturday's made up, Monday's made up. You can free yourself so much. And it but it's hard. Like then you get up and you go you go to work and you're like, all right, time for my 9 a.m. meeting on Monday at 915 for this deadline next week. And you're constantly surrounded by these constructs that we're trying to break from. But I just think it all goes back to the more you challenge those, the freer that you can be because you'll end up back we're connected to truly what you want and not what you're just doing because you think that's what society wants
1: yeah and i'm going to take a hard right turn here because i want to and it's fun for me but what you're saying is very much the reason that i have an issue with culture and this is definitely not an opinion of mine that people enjoy and i often get a lot of flack for it but culture is basically living up to the expectations of dead people And carried on long enough, it doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, look what's happening in Iran right now with the burning of the hijab and the entire overthrow of their cultural perspective of a woman's place, right? All that conflict is coming from the commitment to that culture as an identity, to the commitment to that culture as a source of certainty, the commitment to that culture as as a way of living and perceiving the world. And so just like we're talking about getting away from the perception of others culture has got to go. it's not that it's got to go, but it has to become more fluid in the same way that we have to become more fluid. This is why I've often said that culture should be regenerated every three generations or so. It should change, it should evolve according to the environment that we're in, according to us expressing the new insights that we're finding. But this is not a popular opinion of mine that culture in itself can become a danger and will actually stagnate us as a species. But I'm curious, Because culture means a lot of different things. We don't just mean like European culture or North American culture, capitalistic culture, really doesn't matter. What are your thoughts in in terms of culture? Because I know even in terms of uh, LGBTQ, that is sometimes referred to as in culture. And I've had conversations with people who, although they're gay, don't identify with that culture. They don't identify with that entire movement whatsoever because they think of themselves as just themselves. Where I've met other people who identify with the culture and will defend that culture, and sometimes get offended on behalf of their perception of that culture. So, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that quickly. Sorry for the hard right turn there.
2: I appreciate the hard right turn. Um, I think that I'm kind of at the point right now. And when I first started dating as and first had a girlfriend, there was just. This- this kind of poll, like all right we're who but what am I identifying with right like I dated guys I have a girlfriend and like people are like well what are you gay like what, what's going on and I'm like well I'm kind of just like I have a girlfriend like I don't know like I'm just figuring it out but I think my issue with all of this is that again like everyone listens to what some dude who's dead now said that like oh being in same-sex relationship is a sin you know all these things like this whole entire narrative that we created just like we have with every single thing in the world, like racism, like all these things that some person just created and we're like, all right, let's listen to this guy. And then we still follow it. And I think that like, I think the issue with sexuality that I really struggle with is that like people, this whole narrative that we created that like, if you're gay, you're this type of person. I'm like, no, I just literally like have an attraction towards someone like you probably do, but you've suppressed it your whole life because you're too scared to admit it. Like, and it's, it, there's it's no surprise now that more and more people are coming out Bisexual, gay. I'm like, yeah, of course, because it's a fucking construct. Like, it's like, how can you say a human being, like a species on this earth is straight? What does that mean? Like, we're composed of, we're like, existing and it's weird. How, like, what, What is even going on? How can you say that we're? So I just think anything that like you're put into a box like that with culture, with these very strict rules that you have to abide by is only gonna lead people down to division. To it's gonna lead people down to judgment. And it's gonna lead to suffering because you think that like you have to be a certain way. And the I think the other side of it is true, right? Like, oh, okay, now that if I identify as gay, okay, do I hate straight people? There's another side of it too, where it's like, why do we have to, why do we have this so much of division? Like, that's why, and we have friends who are straight and they, it's it's really nice to talk to them because they're so open-minded. And some of them have said to us too, like, oh, wow, like maybe I would hook up with a girl, like things like that. And it, I'm not going to say to them, like, well, oh, you have a boyfriend, like then we're, there's a division between us. I think that like, again, like even when you're with the community that accepts even with anyone in your community that is accepting, there could still be division of like, okay. Like I remember me and my sister went to like a pride event last year and this girl was like to her, like, she's like, you're straight, why are you here? And just like, all right, here you go. We're perpetuating that division. So in long answer, I think I'd say that like, culture can be extremely dangerous because it's saying that you have to abide by certain expectations of other people, and as long as you're doing that, you're basically creating division because you're you're implying one is more superior than the other one. And as long as you do that, you're just constantly going to feel like if I'm not doing one right, and right thing, I'm wrong or something of that nature. I don't know if Daisy, if you have any. Yeah,
3: I'll, I'll tap in. I don't. I don't. I feel like culture inherently isn't wrong or like comp like complicated, but I feel like when people identify so much with it or blindly follow something, it's that's where it's problematic because you can have a piece of this culture and a piece of that culture and this and that, and this and that. And like those, all those little things make up just like who you are as a person. But I feel like when you just like learn to blindly follow someone and and without logic or reason or understanding why, but fully, and like you said, like we'll be down to defend it and like, hold on to it and cling to it really tightly. I just, I think that's where it, it just doesn't really make sense. Right. Because you want to be able to, understand why someone's coming from a certain place, but I just feel like as long as you're clinging to one particular thing and and making that, I think it's like you're making something your identity. Um, and I just, I feel like that's not necessarily natural to do. I think the reason people cling on to certain identities is because I don't know if they're afraid of themselves or if they just don't know themselves or they just don't know how to exist without it. Um, but it was an interesting point to bring up of like, where do you exist? Like in, in the LGBT community? Because I think having a different experience growing up, always resonating as someone who dated guys um, that realizing this part about you later in your life, it's it's a complicated thing, but it's also not a complicated thing. It just is. So it's also like, you're not identifying with an entire culture. It's like, well, I appreciate this person who's in the community, but I actually don't appreciate this person just because we have one similarity. So I think that's like the the alternative to that is just like blindly following everything and saying, this is, this is the same. We're the same. Cause we're from the same culture. I think there has to be questioning within any culture because if it's not working, then it should, it should move forward. That was a very like um, abstract way to say something. But I just, I think you should always be questioning from within, even if you have a lot of similarities because without questioning it, it's like, how are you going to move things forward? And I think that's what becomes problematic.
2: I also, wait, I just want to say quickly, like when we started the podcast, I think we were also like, uh, now that I'm the same sexual relationship, like I need to talk about my sexuality. Like, again, like it's coming to the forefront of who I am, which is kind of perpetuating the narrative that we all have. Because, again, like if your whole identity is about being bi or gay, or whatever, then you're kind of perpetuating the idea that like it is an identity, it is this thing that everyone's creating. And then we kind of realized, like, whoa, like, we can start talking about things because like, I think Andrew said, like our identity, we reflect freedom. We reflect being comfortable in our own skin. We don't even have to talk about our sexuality in order to show that we could, you know, I think one of my goals is like having someone listen to our podcast and then find out we're in a same sex relationship after they have found benefit from it. And they'd be like, oh, okay. Right. I think that like, again, like not clinging. And I think it's so easy to When you're in a group feeling like you need to because of fear of judgment. Like, I already, when I changed my content, I lost like five followers since. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, like, are people upset? I'm not talking about internalized homophobia anymore. And like, that's fine. But it's interesting, like, the fear always comes in when you're deviating from what people want from you.
1: Yeah absolutely i I know i regularly create content for the sake of culling some of my audience just because i i figured they're they're sticking around for the pleasant bits but they're not necessarily down for the the real bits and so i deliberately create content that makes them uncomfortable so i can weed them out and keep the the warriors as it were but um when we recognize that our identity isn't the truth then the community that we're a part of has an opportunity to evolve and we've had this conversation in terms of dualistic unity because people have asked us how do you know it's not one day going to become a religion? How do you know one day it's not going to become another following? And it's because it's not a community that you can join. It is a community built of individuals. That's what runs the community, is that each and every person is their own source of the experience they're having. They are the community to themselves. And we all just, we've all just come together as that. But if we started identifying with it, it would be a totally different impact. The community would think in a totally different way and we wouldn't have access to the same amount of insights. So I think it's really important what you're saying, that question, question, because even in just questioning your culture, you are actually giving that culture a chance to evolve. You're giving it a chance to grow through you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's interesting too, in talking about identity in terms of cultural identity, especially when it comes to like minority groups and, I don't know if this is going to get a little bit controversial too coming out as a a straight white male, but uh, I I feel like a lot of times with anyone and everything, identity is used as a sort of safety net, like a way to feel more secure. Like that's pretty much across the board, even if it's like a negative idea of yourself. So because culture has become such a, a place that can't be questioned from outside of the culture in so many ways it's like because it is held on to as a sort of safety that a security blanket because it helps them navigate a world that they and this is this goes for anyone and everything but a lot of times it comes from you know a lot of ways we talk about culture right now are with minority groups and and so because they've been in a world where they have been marginalized for so long that identity has become, Sort of like a way to cope with all of those things, allow them to give them some sense of safety. Like a lot of things that are going on in the world right now don't seem very safe for me, but at least I can be sure about like who and what I am. And that's pretty much always the case. And a lot of it comes down to it. it's not to say that it's ever someone's fault for holding on to that identity. But at the end of the day, like with everything, it is your responsibility to be willing to question it because. Again, there's nothing wrong with holding on to identity, but it's always going to cut you off from being free, from being free to be anything. And and when you hold on to a cultural narrative, all of a sudden you're in a box, you're in this place that is this sort of self-defined prison, and you don't have to do that. But at the same time, there's often turbulence that comes with letting go of that box, with questioning, like, you know, I've, I've grown up in this cultural situation with this idea of, of who or what I am and everyone else has told me my entire life that this is who or what I am. And so questioning that causes them to have to question their beliefs too, and then their identity. And that often leads to a lot of discomfort. So it's kind of like this self-fulfilling prophecy, like the circular sort of thing where people just don't question it out of fear of other people who are afraid of other people questioning it because that makes them less comfortable. And it always comes down to this discomfort with change, with recognizing uncertainty, with recognizing that I don't actually know what I am. I, I don't even know if I'm human and that's okay, but that's scary for someone who doesn't really have as much faith in themselves to be willing to question what they think they are, because so often it's held onto as sort of safety blanket security blanket to a degree and so i think again it's not <laughs> it's not a bad thing ever to hold on to those things but oftentimes we take it so far that it's going to cut us off and there's inevitably going to be some degrees of suffering to holding on to believing that you are this type of person or that type of person which on top of all of that is all rooted in the past like everything we define ourselves as is based on things we have done in the past but You'll never be able to recognize that in this moment, you can be anything. You can make those changes that you've always wanted to make. But as long as you're holding on to that idea of what you think you are, it's going to be a lot more difficult to make those shifts, to make those changes, to be able to express what you're really feeling in the moment because it's it's going through so many narratives and so many, be it cultural or self-defining narratives, so many layers of identity-based narratives that it cuts you off from being able to recognize that. You are what is, you are reality. And I think I think about this a lot. How it's fascinating how few people recognize that they're God, that recognize that they're just reality. Like out of eight billion people, why how is there not like at least, you know, tens, like a hundred thousand people who've recognized it? Maybe there is, who knows? I don't know for sure. But I think it's because of all of these layers of narratives, be it cultural, be it self-defining, be it familial, be it national, be it whatever it is there's there's like so there are hundreds of layers that you have to get through in order to recognize that that it's made it very very difficult because we've gone so far in the direction of identity but at the same time it can it can happen in any moment and and through that process of questioning who or what you are, the change happens
1: absolutely so I have a question as you've been going along on your journey, as you've been questioning your identity, as you've been going and transitioning through new evolutions of yourself over and over and over and over, and over again. And I, I do want to throw you some kudos for the enthusiasm with which you throw yourself into that process of transitioning and questioning and, and, and basically shedding former versions of yourself. I, I enjoy watching it and it inspires me to see it out in the world. As Andrew was saying, you know, where are all the people recognizing their God? It's like, we're working on it. and it's, it's coming. And I guess that leads to my next question. Through the process of this transition, as you have questioned yourself and recognized more and more of your nature as awareness, how have you found the experience of relating to one another? How have you found the experience of empathizing? I know being married, there have been several moments where I've gotten stuck on my perspective and my wife has gotten stuck on her perspective. And I know in the past, I would have just been stuck on that because admitting I was wrong or that another perspective was just as valid would have devalued me somehow. And all of a sudden, as a result of all the work I've done and recognizing awareness and so on and so forth, I see myself in my wife. I recognize myself pounding my head against that wall, the very same wall I'm doing from the perspective of Ray. And I drop it because I can recognize myself in my wife. It's not that I'm being nice to her. It's not that I'm being compassionate. It's just that suddenly there's a moment of recognition and it changes everything about how I deal with the situation. Have you felt that happening in your moments of, of frustration or in the moments where you've argued, where you've just had a moment? And sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes you've got to go for a walk or just separate for a little bit. But where all of a sudden it's just, it's not that you've come to a resolution so much as you've recognized the fight is pointless, that it doesn't do anything except reinforce the prison that's actually frustrating you. I'm just curious about your experience with
3: that. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. It reinforces the prison that you're in. Um, Yeah. I think that's a really good point because ultimately when you're in a relationship or you're in a friendship, any sort of relationship at all, you bring a certain energy to the room or the, to the interaction. And of course, like, like energy feeds, feeds like energy. And I think having a certain level of awareness of I'm feeling really upset or I'm feeling really angry. And I want to project that. I think realizing, okay, is this actually going to make this worse or is this going to make this better? Um, Never going to make it better. (laughs) You might think it will be, but I think having that awareness of saying, uh, you know, I, I'm going to, in other moments, I like actually care about this person. I'm not like projecting this like anger that I have. And it's like, let's think about them in that moment. And let's not think about them as a, a punching bag kind of thing. So I think that being able to be aware that you're not going to imprison yourself into the same environment of anger or whatever the emotion is, um, that's going to affect you down the line. So ultimately, like you are creating one person together in a, to an extent. So it's like what are you gonna What are you gonna feed to that energy? So I think, um, yeah, I really like that point of Are you gonna imp- like imprison yourself by what you bring to the relationship? Because um, I think that's a good way to 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 attest to questioning Do I really need to share this in a, a negative way? Um, and you don't have to, and then it's not you're not going to imprison yourself into that conversation or that environment. Um, so I think that is an extremely you, it's a hard skill, but I think it it makes everyone's lives happier in the long run.
2: Yeah, and it's so interesting because when, when me and Daisy met, I was like full force ego. Like I asked her if she can like buy me a Range Rover and I was like, I need, like, this is like, the life I need. Like I was like ready to make partner in my law firm. And I was like in the relationship in the place of ego. And I think like as I started to wake up a little bit and became more self-aware of how I was acting, I was reflecting like this like need to like, be so prestigious in the world onto Daisy and like judging her if she wasn't that and like all these things I was doing on a subconscious level that like maybe I saw my dad do my life or maybe I saw other relationships, kind of the relationship dynamic I wanted. And then I started to peel back those layers and I was like, why am I doing any of this? Like I don't I this is not what I want. And I think you guys had an episode was really interesting. It was about like manipulation in your relationship and how I started seeing like, I was kind of like manipulating, manipulating a little bit of like, because I was doing things out of like, effort. like I was doing things out of not like, it, I don't even know how to explain it. Like I was doing things for like my own self-interest because it was perpetuating this na- narrative I had in my life, in my head about how I wanted my life to be. And then that was like, that was, that was, that I was manipulative because I was trying to like, I wanted Daisy to be a certain type of person. This is probably the first like two months we were dating. And then like, and Daisy can attest to like, I'm, I feel like now versus when she met me and she's like completely different person, it feels like. But in order to really have love in a relationship, I've learned that like, you can't come in with judgment. You can't, you have to let go of your, all your preconceived notions about how a situation should go. And you also cannot refuse project your emotions onto someone else. If we're in the kitchen and something falls and Daisy drops the food we're making, like it's not her fault. Like what good of it is going to do for me to get mad at her? And I think I've like fully realized like I, we like, I like really don't really get mad that much because I just don't see a point to it. Like I've come to realize there's no point to getting mad. We've talked about this so much in dualistic unity. Like I stub my toe. I'm not going to scream, like start cursing like out the window anymore because You get to the same result. You're you're back here in this moment. So if in a relationship you apply those practices and you realize that fighting's not going to do anything, yelling's not going to do anything, and like it's you're always going to get back to the same place, you might as well just proceed with like mindfulness, calm, and love. And then all of a sudden, like our relationship grows tenfold because we're meeting each other at the same place. We're talking to each other without judgment and with love and with empathy. And I'm not expecting Daisy to be this perfect person because that doesn't exist. And if you're dating someone because of the ideal that you want them to be, you, again, that's in a way manipulation because you're not even present. You're living for the person that you want them to be in the future. And I wholeheartedly accept who Daisy is right now and what that gives so much freedom because I don't want her to be anything else but who she is right now. And it's really hard to strip away from that.
3: Well, what you were saying earlier about you have to surround yourself with the input that you want to exput. I feel like when we first met, if you looked at us, you'd be kind of like, why are they together? Because it didn't we make were, sense at all. We were in different skins <laughs> when we first met. And then I think we shed those skins as we came into our relationship. Um, and I forget the point that I was gonna make, but I think ultimately, oh yeah, it was kind of like you were dating me because you didn't know why, honestly. I didn't know why. And it took us an extended period of time to realize why we liked each other because it was once we shed our skins and just allowed ourselves to to really be who we were, and in a way, like we kind of helped each other do that, which is um which is interesting, but I would say hopeful. And I also
2: just want to say in the relationship sense, it just goes to show like I don't really believe in love at first sight because I feel like two years later now i finally see why me and Daisy are together. Like it's after we've done, we've done the work, like we've put in the work, we've like really built this foundation together. And it's taken so much time. And I'm starting to see why so many relationships end number one, like you're looking for dopamine that you're not getting, you want something better, you want perfectionism, you don't want to fight, you don't want to deal with compromise, all these reasons that you're just going to start escaping from like we do when we're trying to start a podcast, and it's not working, you're going to run away. And I think realizing like, it's no such thing as ever having that perfect thing. And so too in a relationship, but it's not that you ever get perfect, but you get acceptance and with acceptance can get, you can get, get like the most amount of love because you're constantly just there in the moment.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating how letting go of those preferences and, and opinions and those personal ideas that you have about the way you want things to be is to a degree, letting go of yourself. Like our idea of ourselves are made up of our opinions. Our preferences are the things we want to happen. The things we think are good and the things we think are bad and, and what we want something to be or become. And and so as we let go of those, we're letting go more and more of the idea of ourselves. So I can only imagine that this, because I feel like you guys are on, obviously you're in a relationship, you are seem like very open with each other, and you're also going through a lot of personal shifts. I know I've had conversations with both of you, more so Sophie, and I know Sophie, you Question everything and and love to talk about this stuff. How has this conversation of like the deeper stuff that, you know, dual security talks about a lot, you guys talk about as well? How has that impacted both your relationship in terms of like how it goes, but also conversationally in terms of like finding a balance between wanting to be deep because it's super fun to be super deep. And when you have someone else there who's kind of going through the same stuff and questioning can be a lot of fun. Have you sort of had to find a balance between like, all right, we're going like, it's okay to go deep, but then like, we got to pull back sometimes and like, stay kind of shallow. Cause like, that's okay too. Cause I know I found that with both my family, friends, uh,
3: people I interact with day to day. Um,
0: but yeah, yeah. curious about, I struggle with this
2: more. So I'll let Daisy
3: explain. Yeah. <laughs> so when we first, when we first met, I, I didn't like questioning things. Like it made me uncomfortable, honestly. And for the first phase of our relationship, she would question things like little things. And I'd be like, why? Like, wh- why do you want to talk about that? Like, I don't see the purpose in talking about that. And I've always liked, like deep conversations and stuff, but she like really pushed me. And I realized through listening to Realistic Unity early on, like one of the earlier podcast episodes, I was like, oh, like this is because it makes me uncomfortable to think about these things. Cause I don't know if there is an actual answer to this and that makes me uncomfortable. Like that makes me wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so I've definitely learned to get more comfortable with that and question things as well and, and realize, and yeah, I think it definitely brings on like a level of like anxiety when you don't, know something about something. I think that can bring on a lot of anxiety. So that was that was a lot of the resistance I think I would initially pull up um in our relationship when she would want to question things. And it's been I mean like 2 years now so we've learned to to have these conversations and I think it's an interesting point of like where do you draw the line? How do you not like let this become like all of your conversations and I think that when you're in a relationship and you like do see a lot eye to eye on a lot of things and there's a lot of things to talk about it, you can spend a lot of time just generally talking, and you have to know when to when to draw the line. And I think with this stuff, it's it's tough because it can be so mind expansive to think about this kind of stuff and talk about it all the time. Um, and having that in a relationship is really lucky because sometimes it can be hard to find these people to to talk about this kind of stuff with. But it comes to a point where it it can feel like okay, we have to think about this stuff on our own or like detach from each other or be able to, I I don't know. I'd actually, I really don't, I don't know exactly like what that looks like, but I don't know. I think it's ultimately just being open, but also being open to saying, I don't, we don't need to talk about this. Like, I actually don't agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I think that's kind of the next level of it, of being able to point things out of saying, I don't agree with you. And that can be a new level of uncomfortability uh, when you're seeing eye to eye on a lot of things. And then you start to disagree and learning how to navigate that conversation of conflict. It's interesting because I feel
2: like the one thing we definitely deal with, it's like, all right, it'll be like 1030 at night. And I'm like, Daisy, like, why are we on earth? And she's just like, I want to go to bed. And it's just like, it's this level of like, well, I'm like, are you resisting this? And it's like, no, like you can't like, and I'm realizing this recently now, it's just like, you can't like always like talk about you can't always analyze things and, and daisy like we're in the car in austin like she was like do you ever think that like maybe you like i definitely question things like more way more and she's like do you ever feel like you're not really being present when you are and i kind of had this realization where i was like i feel like i'm there's times where i'm not like i'm overly analytical of things like i don't need to constantly asses, like, assess like when i'm in a social setting, like what what's happening i could just be there and i think drawing that line in the relationship is hard because we talk a lot (laughs) like we just both love to talk so it's like constantly like this but I think in general realizing like you can have this conversation but it doesn't it doesn't need to consume your life because just being is it like just you existing and us just going about our lives without talking about it is just as uh, powerful as it is to be continuously talking about it so that's something I've realized actually like the past two weeks that realizing like I don't need to question things like every single second and if Daisy doesn't want to talk about it like that doesn't mean like some of my like I would definitely get kind of angry sometimes of like is she resisting it but it's like I can't now project that onto her and that, I think it's 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 hard when you're kind of waking up because you want other people to be on board with you at the same at the same time but especially when you're in a relationship but I'm realizing it's just I can't like I can't I can't, like, as, as that's not me to pressure her. She needs to think about it when she wants to think about it. And I think that's something really hard in a relationship, but I think in life, like, you have friends who aren't on the same page, you force it on them. And we have definitely really more aligned now, but I have to be understanding that, like, our brains are wired differently. And when Daisy wants to go to bed at 1030, like, I don't need to, like, start asking her about, like, the Big Bang Theory. So it's been, been some good progress. <laughs>
1: that is totally fair yeah it's like are you resisting this conversation or am i resisting the environment that's not welcoming this conversation and that's that's how it goes but we go through these moments where we have these conversations about clarity and they're very helpful but not if we stay in the conversation about clarity we actually have to let that conversation go go and be human get emotional get frustrated argue with people and then go right i was thinking about this earlier i'm getting caught up in it again and that's when we have another conversation but it's the application. The theory is one thing, the application is something else, which is why often in life coaching, I'll, I'll tell people, okay, we're good, I'll see you in a month. And up until then they might've been coming to see me weekly and there's a look of panic. Well, what do you mean? It's like, get out there, you know, screw up for a bit, get some stuff to work from, you know, get uncomfortable because that's where you're going to learn from this conversation. Otherwise it just becomes cerebral. It just becomes intellectual and that doesn't go anywhere. Well, it goes somewhere, but it doesn't go anywhere useful, right? You end up just feeling really smart and not actually applying it to your relationships or, or to your life as a whole. And, and so it's really important to do that. The other thing that's important to remember is that in a relationship, especially a romantic relationship, it's very difficult to be revolving around the inside of unity and feel sexual. It's a very difficult thing to do because you're talking to yourself. So you actually have to let go of that deeper conversation to some degree just so you can enjoy being human and that very much is the gift of our existence is the fact that we can oscillate between one state and another we can go all the way down to the most base biological perspective or all the way up to divinity itself and somewhere in that spectrum we have to find a balance in how to have a relationship with ourselves and the perspective of others so being in a relationship is probably the best classroom to do that. And I know in my own relationship, I've said this before, Melissa and I argued every, every day for the first three months. Like it was every second day for the next three months. And, and it was because the argument itself was how we were finding that middle ground. We weren't running from the argument and we didn't take the argument as some sign that, oh, the relationship's doomed, it's gonna fail because we're arguing, right? It's just, i right, this is turbulence during elevation. That's how it happens. And so it's really neat to see how much your relationship has evolved just in the short time that I've known you and in the short time since we've spoken last time, just how much you you seem lighter in how you express yourself. You seem lighter in how you address each other. You just seem like you've found more of a state of alignment. And I'm very happy to have you here. I'm just going to pass this over to Andrew. Yeah, oh,
0: for sure. I've definitely noticed that i think and it's i've felt a similar shift with it myself as well i don't know maybe maybe the moon's aligning or something and we're all like (laughs) i'm fucking around for anyone who has never listened to an episode i'm just kidding um i actually was curious ray because i we've never actually specifically talked about and you don't have to if you don't want to uh respond with those arguments with melissa that you had early on what did they oftentimes revolve around was it like just everything was it about the rec- Some of these deeper recognitions was it about you know some shallower type stuff about like day to day little like you know getting caught up in uh, minute things or desiring certain things versus not needing things. I'm I'm curious because I don't think we've ever really talked about that, but you brought it up a couple times.
1: We haven't actually really talked about that. Uh, the arguments or, or the frustration really came from. The fact that for the first time in my life, after having woken up for several years before I met Melissa, I just knew what my values were. I knew what I saw in the world. I knew what my life meant to me and it didn't involve anything outside of myself giving me value. And so when I met Melissa, who came from a fairly wealthy family with a certain set plan to go to university, become a psychologist, you know, her parents had bought her car for her. She, like She lived in an entirely different world than I did. And it was incredibly privileged. And so when we started hanging out, she would tell me her perspectives of the world. Like, you know, for example, well, it's your job as, as my boyfriend to take me out and buy me things and do all that. And, and nope, no, it's not. That, that's, that's a lovely role that you have in your head. And I suggest you go and find somebody who's going to meet that role because it's not going to be me. And so that was a, a good, uh, one good argument that we had. The other argument we had was, and I expressed that if I ever need her, I'm leaving which didn't go across very well the first time until we had that talk and recognized codependence doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. But when we're raised in a mentality where we think being needed gives us more value, it's difficult to see beyond that. And so when somebody says, I don't want to ever need you, it feels like a shot to us. Like, oh, am I not worth worth needing, it has nothing to do with you. If, if anything, it means that I value you that much that I don't want to bring toxicity to our relationship. And so these were the conversations. It was very much, why aren't you playing the role that society, my parents and everybody has always taught me you should be playing and me going, cause I don't fucking want to, and I don't have to. And if you're gonna expect me to, you should go find someone else. And so that, that process was a hell of a journey. And kudos to her for sticking it out, because admittedly, every step of the way, we're like, we can cut this off anytime. We can just end this now. And it was because we had that understanding that we weren't trapped, that it continued to work, that the argument didn't reflect on how we cared about each other. It was just an eruption based on tension, based on old stress, based on assumptions, based on concepts. And so we just had to work through them until we could see the underlying reality behind it, where we could establish a bridge and find that common ground but yeah it was the process of of basically just wearing down the walls between us and it was such an interesting process to look at because I know when I was younger I would have changed who I was so she would like me and in every step of the process I had to remind myself I didn't like that person that I was when I was doing that and it's not something I would want to do to anybody else and so there was just this ongoing process of, is this important to us and why? And if the answer was for certainty or the answer was for value, or the answer was for anything like that, that is not a good enough reason. Right. And so we would try and pound it out. And that's, that was basically the first six months of our relationship. And then shortly after that, I think six months later, we ended up going out to the rainforest and that was the next big test because of course, All the comforts are gone. There's no electricity. There's no heat. You're soaking wet half the time. It's been three or four days since you've showered. So all the intensity is around you. And it's really, really pushing you to focus on your little frustrations or or the remaining things that you have preferences and opinions about. And that's what causes the arguments. That's what causes the frustration is when you're so focused on yourself and your opinion that you can't see the other person going through the very same journey.
2: Can I ask a question like did you guys fight a lot in the rainforest or did your environment change the way you viewed conflict.
1: That's a really good question. I would say that we fought for the first week. I remember I remember very clearly our first night in the forest as the sun was going down because it was the end of November, and I was scrambling to get wood and set up the tent and Melissa was just kind of standing there I'm like move your ass get the wood, there's an ax over there. And she called me a Nazi and it was, just wasn't pretty. And, and it was because she had never been out in that environment and I had to remember that. I was so busy trying to make sure she wasn't gonna freeze that night and that she had a place to sleep that it didn't dawn on me. She had no idea what I was doing. And so that was another opportunity for us to establish a bridge. That was another opportunity for us to recognize that we were in it together, that in helping her understand and helping her adapt, I was helping myself as well. And so that's one of the reasons we've become such a good team over the years.
0: Yeah, that's, I appreciate you sharing all that. That's a lot of fascinating information. I feel like your relationship is unique in our society and it's fascinating how we've gotten so caught up in this, this feeling that being needed or that someone should need you and you should be able to complete someone has become like norm and the expectation. And everyone has so many ideas of what a relationship should be. And it really like anytime you are acting in a certain way or feel like you need someone or someone should need you, like you're not going to be able to act authentically. And so it makes me wonder how few people are really acting authentically out there, but it's such a almost like visceral, like a sharp thing to say, like, I don't fucking need you. I, I don't. Cause it, it just like cuts through everything. It's like, yeah, what what do you mean? It's like it's not like that. It's like this is actually allows me to act authentically and it will allow you to act authentically through seeing that. So, passing it back over to our guests. How is this something that both of you have talked about, had conversations about, this idea of wanting each other to be a certain way. I know you were talking about it before about this early on this desire for You to be a certain way or or fit a certain narrative of of what you thought a relationship should be like. Have you found that, you know, potentially through the process of recognizing that you don't actually need anything outside of yourself, it's actually deepened your relationship and allowed you to, you know, be more open and honest and authentic and vulnerable with each other because that there isn't that fear of being left because there isn't so much fear of not being wanted anymore. Mm
3: Yeah, I think that's a great question because when you are inherently in a same-sex relationship, you have the power of understanding what your dynamics going to be. I think even when you're in a like a, a non-same-sex relationship, like As Ray said, like you very clearly stated what your dynamic was not going to be. And I think so much of what happens in heteronormative relationships is that there is an easy dynamic that you just fall into. It's one person taking care of the other person. And that's just what we've seen all our lives and movies. And I think what inherently right when you're in um, a same-sex relationship and when Sophie and I got in a relationship, I never thought that dynamic really applied to me. I never like dreamed of like someone taking care of me in that manner of buying me things. And maybe it was different for Sophie. Um, That's what she had been taught to, to desire in someone who was going to be in a close relationship with her. And like, I always had a deep knowing that that was not going to be my life. I didn't know why, Um, but anyone can be in these dynamics and anyone can't be, you can, you can be, it doesn't even matter like what your orientation is. Like anyone can have any dynamic, but I think being, in our specific dynamic, we realize there isn't like really a dynamic because we don't, I'm not looking, like it's at first, I think it can be difficult because you're like, okay, we're so different. I see all of my friends who are in these types of relationships and I'm different. So that inherently I feel different. And that feels like weird. Cause no one can, I can, no one, I can't relate to anyone. Um, in these like typical things, but I think we've like, it's allowed us to have really open conversations and we've gotten feedback from friends of being like, you talk about that together. Like, how do you do that? And I never really thought anything of it. Like just being very open because I think that helps you get to the root of things and that helps you understand, uh, you know, what makes us not work together. Um, what, you know, it's, it's, there's, you're removing any layer of, uh, of the unknown because you want to be straight up with each other. And I think a lot of the times when you have a dynamic or when you are playing to a certain role in a relationship, you're not being straight up and you're not being honest. And I think that's what leads you down the path of waking up one day and realizing like, why am I in this relationship? So it's really refreshing to hear that you set those boundaries of like, this is not going to be our dynamic because you don't hear that every day in in relationships. Um, But I think ultimately to answer your question, Andrew, that it, it has made us stronger. There was periods of time where it made us weaker <laughs> because we were like hanging on by a string because we couldn't get through it. But ultimately like we're both working on ourselves. So that at the end of the day, that's what I, I see in us is that, I think that's what we saw in each other from the beginning that we were both willing to put in a, X amount of work on ourselves. And I think that's a huge determinant of how healthy a relationships gonna be because when all the butterflies and rainbows are no longer existent, and you're not feeling you know, the honeymoon phase, it's like, well, what is your motivation to get better? Is it for the relationship to get those feelings or is it because you genuinely want that in your own life? And I think that's what we both aligned on. Yeah,
2: I agree with that. I also think it's so interesting. It just proves the theory of you don't you don't know what's best for you. Like when I first started in Daisy, like I grew up being told like, I need a guy to take care of me. I get you guys in private equity who can buy me a nice house and I can stay at home with my kids and just like, have this very you know, this certain type of life. And I thought I needed that because I truly was like, how could I like take care of myself? And I think like, it's interesting because I've always been someone who's really independent in the sense of like, or very like, um, kind of assertive and like what I want. And I don't, I honestly don't think I would have worked being with someone like the person I thought I wanted to be with, like a certain kind of guy who was like dominating and whatever. But when I first started dating Daisy, like I didn't, I was concerned because like, how are you gonna take care of me? Like, first of all, she was a girl. Second so like of all, like I had this whole idea, like I need I use to date guys who are like six four. Daisy's like five four, so that was a big adjustment. So it just kind of like stripping away these things I thought I wanted, and to realize, like, whoa, like I never wanted anyone to take care of me in that sense. I don't want that. Like that's not how I am. That's not our dynamic is. And in a way, like having a dynamic, you're all, you're all kind of living in the future because you're being with somebody because you want them to fill a certain need in the future, like based on this idea you have about who this person has to be in the grand scheme of your life. One day I might need to be differently. I, well, in one day of a relationship, Daisy might have a need and the next day I might have a need. How could you ever figure out who's going to be there like versus when? So I just think that going through the relationship, removing these narratives about what our dynamic needs to be, realizing that we kind of are just on this equal level playing field. And I, admittedly being in the same sex relationship had that because we kind of, at first we were like, we don't really know how to navigate this because we don't have gender roles to look to, but not having gender roles was so awesome because we were like, we can make this the way we want. We don't have to, you know, watch a certain movie, a rom-com. And that's the way our dynamic is going to be. And I think it's interesting. I think seeing a lot of our friends relationships and, I, it's interesting because I don't want to, I, I, I recognize I, I'm like, am I judging them? But I think, I, I don't know what I'm doing. But I think that like, when I think hear their relationships, I'm always just like, it feels like they're so like, all right, we're getting married. Like we're doing this, we're doing all these things. And again, you're just checking out the list, you're checking out the list. And I, I, I marriage is not even like, yes. In the few, I don't know. Like, it's like, I thought I used to, and I'm, I've it recently gotten to a point where I'm like, is having kids selfish. And I never thought ever like, in my life I was like I need to have four kids like I need to have it and now I'm like whoa like why would I ever bring a kid in this world if like we have a population crisis and every sort of crisis imaginable so it's just crazy how you don't know what you want and by stripping back the layers again you get to find out whoa like this is this dynamic what works for me and this is now bringing out if I was dating someone who was like controlling I don't even know like where I'd be right now like if I was dating the person I thought I wanted to date so you just never know what's best for you. And that's why you have to question things. And you might end up somewhere that is so much better than the place you thought that you needed to be.
3: And just quickly, I just think questioning just any any sort of uh, dynamic or stereotypes that you have in a relationship is so empowering. I think that whether it's Hollywood or movies, that teach us our entire lives to like, look for these pivotal moments of like getting married, having kids, like those are all really, really great things. Um, but I think there's a pressure that's put on people to do it within a period of time that they think that they have to fall into that. And I think that really takes away from thinking about other areas of your life. And people think that has to be like what they prioritize. And I think it's just very empowering to to realize like, okay, maybe I don't want that. And I think not everyone has the chance to think, do I really want this? They just automatically fall into it and get the pressure of, of going down that line. Um, so I just think that in a way, like we were blessed that we didn't have to, that we had to question it. Like it's not really desirable to question it right away, but, mm-hmm. uh, just, I think questioning everything is really what's going to help you ultimately get to a place that is going to make you just ha- the happiest.
2: I also want to ask Andrew a question. Like, Andrew, how has you waking up changed the way that you view dating and like the way that you you as a guy in this world view the dynamic that you're looking for in a relationship? Like what, how did you view it when you were 22? And how do you view it now in terms of the type of relationship that you want? It's like become our podcast. I'm just
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's perfect. We really appreciate when people come back with questions as well. Like this is the conversation. It's yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, I had a lot of thoughts as as you were all talking about that because yeah, there's been some massive shifts and you know I have no certainty about anything that I always not that I ever had any certainty but I always thought I had some certainty like oh yeah I'll, I'll get married you know three kids sounds nice I feel like a lot of times people want to have what they grew up with if they enjoyed their childhood and like i have two siblings so i was always like oh yeah three seems like a great number and now i'm like i have no idea if i'm ever going to get married i don't need to get married i don't know if i'm ever going to have kids i definitely don't need to have kids why would i need to have kids i feel like having kids has become this sort of like another egotistical sort of desire to you know spread my seed and and that's you know more of me it's like it's all me when you see that it's like you don't need to directly have a child necessarily. But um yeah. And with that, like I've told people close to me in my life, like, I don't know if I'm ever having kids or in, initially, this was a while ago, like closer to a year ago there, they had a visceral reaction. Like, what are you? Oh, what? It's like, yeah, I don't fucking know. Like, what do you mean? No one knows. Like, anyone could be like, not be able to have kids. And it's like, then all of a sudden there's like this resistance to the way reality is. But yeah, I had a friend in college who al- one of my best friends always said, I'm never having kids. And I always was like, what do you mean, dude? Like you'd be a great dad. Like you're such a good dude. And he's like, I have no desire to have a child. And I never understood it. And it was always, I didn't realize at the time, but that was all a narrative that I had been taught. Like you should have children. It's just what everyone does. What do you mean? It's the same when I was younger. Like I grew up in upper middle-class neighborhood and like there were very few moms in households that went to work. And so like, I just had in my head when I I was very young, okay. I was like a child, like six or seven years old. And like, I didn't know that women like went to work. It wasn't because I was like, you know, a, a misogynistic piece of shit, but It was just because that was my environment and I didn't know any better. That's all I ever saw. There were very few women in my life who went to work and it's weird thinking about that now, especially with like how many things have shifted for me, but yeah, it's shifted a lot uh, in terms of how I think about it. And it's honestly made things a lot more enjoyable. Like even, (laughs) even like sexually when I was in college, like I would go out and, you know, like have an end goal in mind because I wanted that to happen. And eventually it sort of became something that gave me a sense of, of worth is being able to go out and like be confident enough to talk to girls and like, you know, hook up with them or, or whatever it may be. But now I'm at a point where those desires, like it's not that they don't exist, but they're not so much this, like, end goal type thing that I always want to happen. It's like, I'm just where I'm at. And when I talk to someone at the bar, like even being here, I've gone out to bars the last couple of nights that I've been here just to like go out. Cause that's where a lot of people show up and I'll get a beer, sit at the bar, watch a sports game, whatever, and like talk to the people around me. But it's so freeing to not need anything from them. Like I can just be there and have a conversation for the sake of having a conversation, not for the sake of something happening later on. And that was very much my mindset in New York as well. So I had no issue bringing up some deeper shit. And I had a couple, I think there were two different situations where I was, talking to a girl and like a friend of hers was nearby. And, and both times the friend was into astrology stuff. And so I, we got into it. We started talking more and more and, and, and about not even just astrology, but about wants and desires and like where those wants are stemming from. Like oftentimes they stem from a place of lack and that was frustrating the friend. And I didn't care really. Like I was just Talking like I, I wasn't so worried about the friend getting so pissed that, you know, the other girl would leave. And sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes they weren't as close of friends as it seemed like at the start. And then the other friend would be frustrated and go away. And the, the one I was originally talking to would stay. But yeah, it's definitely brought about a lot more freedom into my life and just an ability to act authentically and talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about in any situation and going into especially when I go on dates too, it's like, there aren't really nerves anymore because I know there's nothing that could necessarily go right or wrong. I'm just going to be there and be there for it, go on a date for the sake of going on a date and see what happens. Like not for the desire to start dating this person or to go on a second date. It's just being there for the sake of, you know, having a fun night. And that's really the extent of it now, whereas before there was you know all sorts of taught narratives that i would hold on to but now there's just very little and so it allows me to be myself more or less a lot more freely than i ever had before you know a year ago or so
2: yeah that's awesome to hear because i'm just I'm, it's, i think it's interesting especially like being a guy in this world naturally i think there's different type of pressure on you for dating and providing and being like fitting into the mold of a guy and it was really interesting because we interviewed michael um, who grew, he's in his sixties and he was telling us like growing up in the South, like he had to shoot his first gun. He had to do all these things. Like the, the way that a lot of guys are forced into this certain type of masculinity and a certain type of idea of like who they need to be. And I think that it's just, it's kind of, it's just unfortunate because I think that that unfortunately I think has shaped so many men. And it honestly it impacted the way that I viewed men for a long time because. I feel like when you go to college, you have all these experiences with guys and they're all kind of dicks and it's just like, they're all so ego and they're just like, you know, like the, cl- the classic, like wearing the vest investment bankers in New York City, like on a Friday afternoon, like those kind of guys, I'm not judging them, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of like so ego. I think it it doesn't, it doesn't need to be like that, but I think the world kind of views guys to be so toxic sometimes, creates this idea and this narrative about who men are, and it's just not true. Like they're human, like us. And I I think that it's it's awesome to see like Andrew, who embodies like what, oh like uh this is a certain type of guy that a lot of guys probably would strive to be like at this age. See him be more vulnerable and open about yourself because it shows other guys that they can be that way too. Like they can be more in touch with their emotions. They can be. They don't need a get married and live this life right away. Like I think so I thing is really awesome to just get that exposure into the world. So we need more guys like that to kind of break this idea bubble that like men need to be the certain type of way because I think that just desig- that stigmatizes them which is it's not fair because guys deserve better than that because there's a lot of awesome guys out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that gender identity is a, more of a problem than anything else and I mean that. It- in the same way as any other identity the idea of a guy is irrelevant because it really isn't a thing unless it's taught and drilled into your head and then you're forced to you know to think that you have to live up to this, this idea of what a guy is and i got it in the same way i grew up in northern ontario it was nothing but, you know, driving around on four wheelers, and shooting shit and playing in the bush, and getting in fights and, and going out drinking and doing all that. And I, I was pretty young when I was doing all that. And there was very much this impression that if you didn't do that, you're not a man, you know, and you've got to be gay. And that was very much what I grew up with. And what's interesting is that because I didn't have any male role models in my life, I almost got a chance to step out of that. I never identified as a guy. It was more or less something I had to camouflage myself to deal with on a day-to-day basis, but it was never something that I thought of myself in terms of, of being a guy or a dude, which is why in all honesty, I have a certain degree of impatience when it comes to dude conversations <laughs> about typical stuff, like, you know, going to the gym, watching sports and how many beers you drank on Friday, that kind of thing. I, I have no interest whatsoever, but again, I've learned how to adapt to those conversations and blend in because I've had to over time. But I think that if we were all just let go of this idea that our body defines our role in any way, shape or form, that we would have an entirely different conversation. I mean, when it comes to the the difference between male and female, we're really just talking biology. And in that case, we're really just talking about the different attributes that we're born with. I mean, men are, are born typically with more physical strength. Women are born typically with more intelligence. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't mean to generalize there, but it's typically true. And because of those attributes, we've taken on different roles throughout history. But the problem is, is that then we started saying, oh, well, if you're female, you must have that role. If you're male, you must have this role, just because that's what we did by and large, not all the time. So we're always generalizing. We're always forcing it into identities. And then we think we have to live up to those identities. And it creates nothing but conflict and stress and and so on and so forth. But I'm not gonna get into gender identity in this round table because that conversation could go on for a much longer period of time and I'm sure we will get into it eventually. We are coming up to the two hour mark so we are going to wrap up here. I did wanna say very quickly that the overall theme of this conversation has been the importance of letting go, the importance of getting out of your own way and establishing sensitivity, which really is the foundation of any solid relationship. And so in the same way that I experienced it in my life, Andrew's experiencing in his life, you're both experiencing it in your life, in your relationship with each other, as well as your relationship to your audience. I think it's incredible to see this happening, that the insight of letting go is really getting its stride in our collective mentality. And I thought it was really interesting today that somebody implied to Andrew that although he is on his journey to letting go, because he's still promoting dualistic unity. He hasn't really let go yet. And I thought that was a really funny statement from somebody who's never listened to the podcast, because if they did in the same way that the Wildflowers podcast is done for the enthusiasm of doing it, so is dualistic unity. This is part of the process of letting go. Our podcasts are an embodiment of our process of letting go. And so I'm very inspired every time you release an episode, I'm very excited for season two. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll pass it over to Andrew here before we wrap up, but I I just wanted to say, it's nice talking to you again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Always great chatting with both of you. I really appreciate all of your perspectives, your authenticity, your vulnerability, your willingness to have this conversation and have the difficult conversations that many, many people shy away from because that's really all anyone's ever trying to do or desiring to do is is to be able to be open and be honest and be vulnerable and be able to see themselves in other people which is only possible through acting vulnerably and authentically yourself so as always absolutely love talking to both of you i'm very excited to see where your content journeys go where your lives go where your current shifts end up not that they're going to end up anywhere besides more shifts, but, uh, excited for season two of wildflowers and looking forward to our next chat.
3: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having us. And it was great chatting with you and, and talking about everything under the sun.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is, I feel like we could talk like five hours, honestly, there's so much to talk about, but yeah, thanks so much for bringing us on. It was so awesome. And I think just like you guys said, like the point is just to keep having this conversation, not because it really doesn't not that cause for any sort of reason besides because we need to have the conversation so other people could have the conversation. So other people can have the conversation. And Ray says it's ripples, right? So uh, thank you guys so much for letting us come on. It's it's been such awesome. And we just look forward to this conversation continuing to grow.
1: Well, we're definitely going to have you back in season four. To our listener, I definitely encourage you to go and check out the Wildflowers podcast. Join them on Patreon. Join them on Discord. If you're on our Discord, you can actually find both Sophie and Daisy there. I'll get them to leave a comment after this episode goes live, so that way you can find them easily. Thank you so much for
3: joining us. We will see you again next week for episode 16. Hi, everyone.